how she recovered after being hit by an SUV when she was on her motorcycle, how she stayed resilient through 34 surgeries, how to stop comparing yourself to others, how to redefine success after a tragedy, dealing with complex regional pain syndrome, how to learn how to love yourself, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 402 with peak performance coach, author, and motivational speaker, Amberly Lago. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, Nick Carrier. I believe the path to getting closer to the best version of yourself is different for all of us, but I do believe it follows the same framework. Our lives have six different areas, health, personal, career, financial, spiritual, and relational. And in order to get closer to the best version of ourselves, we want to be managing all of those areas at all times, but also be spiking in one of them. If you want to learn exactly how to do this, then check out my free Best You Planner and Video course at nickcarrier.com slash best journey. Again, nickcarrier.com slash best journey. Today, you guys are going to meet the inspiring Amberly Lago. You're going to hear about Amberly's tragic accident that happened back in 2010, but how she's been able to turn it around and allow it to really transform her career in a positive way. Amberly is a peak performance coach, TEDx speaker, podcaster, and a leading expert in the field of resilience and transformation. She's the best-selling author of True Grit and Grace and the founder of Unstoppable Life Mastermind. Through her book, her coaching methods, her masterminds, she's curated unique tools to teach others how to tap into their superpower of resilience and elevate their lives and businesses. Amberly has most recently been featured on NBC's The Today Show, The Doctors, Hallmark, and featured in magazines such as Shape, Fit Pregnancy, Yahoo, Forbes, USA Today, LA Style, Health Magazine, Keynote Speaker Magazine, and Disability Magazine. Before diving into the episode, be sure you're subscribing to the Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure to share the episode with a friend while you're listening. All you have to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, then I would love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Amberly Lago. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. I am super excited to be joined by the one and only Amberly Lago today. So Amberly, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. I really enjoy listening to your show. I just was listening to that episode about stop beating yourself up, which is something I think we all need to do. Yeah, Give ourselves some grace. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Coming from the host of the True Grit and Grace podcast, I know that you're going to be able to shed, to, uh, shed us some light on to how to make sure that we don't beat ourselves up and provide ourselves with some grace. So I'm uh, excited to talk a little bit about that as well. But before we get started, I kind of want you to help reorient my audience, my listeners real quick. At age 38, back in May 2010, you were riding your motorcycle in California and an SUV hit you. And that led to dramatic leg injuries. And you spent about three months in the hospital and endured 34 different surgeries to kind of save your leg and not have to amputate it. And I know I just mentioned that like three months time in the hospital, but give us a little bit of sense of from May 2010 when the accident happened and then three months in the hospital, at what point did you feel like maybe your new normal had started, if you will? I think that probably I sensed that when I, I had gotten home and I was kind of, I was on survival mode. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if to, I'm going to make it through this surgery. I don't know if today's the day they're going to amputate my leg or not. 
And I was just trying to get through every day and being an athlete my whole life and a professional dancer and in the fitness industry, I had dealt with so many injuries and I had gotten pushed through pain. That's what we I was taught in, as an athlete, as a young kid. And so I was just kind of under, you know, like the impression that I would just push through, I would rest, I would heal, I'd get better and I'd go back to what I was doing. And I don't think it really hit me until I got home from the hospital. And I thought, oh, wow, this sucks. Like I'm in a hospital bed in the middle of my living room. I can't even sit up to use the bathroom on my own. I had to you know, I had a bedpan that I had to use forever because my leg had to be elevated, filled with, you know, from being so fit in the best shape of my life to now I'm covered in bed sores and I'd lost about 20 pounds of muscle, which I didn't really have any weight to lose to begin with. So I was emaciated and I had a friend that I used to work with. She was another trainer and she came over to the house and she sat down beside me and I'm in my hospital bed and she said, well, what are you going to do? I mean, you can't go back to training clients. And I just burst into tears. I think it all hit me like, what do you mean I can't go back to training clients? I mean, when I left the hospital, one of the doctors had said to me, well, you know, I was like, I can't wait to run again. I can't wait to train clients again. I can't wait to be home. And he's like, well, you'll never run again. And you'll probably never wear shorts again with all those scars. And that was hard. Like that felt like a kick in the gut, but it still had not hit me how much my life was going to change. And after I got over my little pity party and I was angry, I was upset with her. Like I I wasn't even angry at the guy that hit me when I was on my motorcycle. I was angry that she would even think like, how dare you tell me that I can't go and do the things that I want to do. And so every day I just worked a little bit harder. I tried to do my best, which started with standing up for seconds at a time and seeing how long I could endure the the severe, the pain of what felt like fire ants and a vice grip on my leg, squeezing my leg every time I would stand up. And I remember I had an appointment to go see a doctor and I was so excited because they told me it'd take two years to be upright and even walk again. And I was on crutches. This is about four months after the accident, going to see this doctor. He takes one look at me and he says, you've got something very serious. And I was kind of like, yeah, (laughs) I got hit by an SUV. It was pretty serious. He examined me and he said, no, you've got complex regional pain syndrome. Your life is never going to be the same. He goes, there's no cure for this. You need to go back and get in your wheelchair. And I was like, well, okay. Well, for how long? And he said, forever, you're going to be permanently disabled. And he went on and on to explain what it was. And I pretty much stopped listening after never, like your life will never be the same and you will be permanently disabled. And at that moment is when I started to think, okay, this is a new normal But I really did not accept this new normal. I was in denial and that led me down a road of despair where I went from, you know, being healthy to not being a partier, not being a drinker. I was on 73 homeopathic pills a day trying to cure this pain, 11 different prescription medications a day. I'd tried all kinds of invasive surgeries from a spinal stimulator to non-invasive. 
And when nothing was working, I started drinking every day. And so my new normal, I think I've had several <laughs> new normals, like this is my new normal. This is my new normal. And I think I've, I'm really proud to say today that, I mean, I'm still learning and growing. And right before we got on this show, I literally was taking my calendar book and outlining, okay, this is when I make time for my workout. This is when I make time to work on the new project. This is, you know, because if I don't do that, I fill my time up with busyness and stuff that that maybe is not going to promote healthy living or a healthy lifestyle or move the needle on my business. And so I think my new normal began when I got home, when I was diagnosed, and then really when I was in acceptance for where I was on my journey. And I could start to make those better decisions to make my life the best that it can be. And I'm still learning and growing, but I love that. I love self-development and I love fitness and I love learning and growing. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, <clears throat> first off, I love that you talked about just that you were planning some of the stuff out because everybody who listens to the show knows I'm a big planner. And if you don't plan ahead, then other people are going to fill your your schedule for you. But one of the things that I think is just a really big theme uh, in, in your life and a theme that I know a lot of people who have experienced is how we have different kind of abilities in different seasons of our life, depending on what's been going on. And from a fitness standpoint, I'm a fitness trainer as well. And, you know, there are times when maybe a woman has a baby and she comes back and she might be frustrated with her inability to perform like she used to be able to perform. Or maybe somebody goes a long time without working out and they get overweight and they're not able to perform at the ability that they used to perform. And a lot of times that leaves them frustrated and it keeps them from staying consistent and trying to strive. And so I think that different seasons of our life require different definitions of success. And so talk to us a little bit about what it took for you to begin to kind of accept this new definition of success for you. I love that you're a fitness trainer as well. Like we speak the same language <laughs> and, and, you know, for me, fitness really saved me. So I, I believe that my athleticism and being a fitness trainer really gave me the mindset to get through a lot and to be in acceptance and have a new definition of what success was. But I, to get to your question, well, I'll tell you first, in the hospital, I was working out in the hospital bed. So I had my friend that was another trainer at the gym bring me dumbbells. I had the doctors who thought I was insane because I asked them, can we install a pull-up bar over my bed? Because I have to keep my upper body strong. And it wasn't that I was like, oh, I got to get these muscles. It was like, I knew that moving my body would move my mood. I knew that it would make me feel like I was moving in the right direction. It would maybe, you know, make me feel like I was in a little bit more control of my body and what was going on in the situation. But I knew that it would also release some endorphins to make me feel good. And so I've worked out, like I never stopped working out except for when I was in a coma. And then when I first got out, out of a coma and I was like all tubed up. Not, not a good, I don't suggest anybody do that, but you know, success to me, I was so defined by what I did before, you know, it was like, I have this successful fitness business. I've got a trainer and I've got all these trainers that work for me and I'm sponsored by Nike. And when that was gone, I had to really figure out, I was left with just 
me, but in, you know, completely deformed now and scarred up. And I had to redefine what success was for me. And to me, success is being able to do the things that you love with the people that you love, finding joy in the journey, even when things don't go as planned. And, you know, I've been a mom that I've got two kids, one after a seat section. It was so frustrating. It was like, surely they meant I could run after a month, not two months. And I would always push the envelope to how much I could do because it gave me confidence to work out or run. And I think that so much of working out, whether you're in the fitness industry or you work out yourself, and I'd be interested to see what you think about this. I think if more people, especially entrepreneurs, got a hold of their health and took their health back and put their health as first priority on their list, they would find that they could do so much more in their business. They would be so much happier as spouses or they'd be so much happier as a mom or dad. I mean, my family knows, like my husband knows, he's like, hey, when did you work out yet? Like maybe you need to work out. <laughs> My, my daughter's like, now, you know what? My daughter works out with me. Before, she's like, mom, don't go to the gym. Don't worry. And I said, if you want a nicer mom, I need to go move my body. I need to work out. Now, because I'd, I've set that example up for her, she loves going to the gym with me. And sometimes she's like, can we go back to the gym? I'm like, no, once a day is enough for me. Yeah, I think that success is, however you look at it to me, health. If I have my health, then that is success to me because you can have the biggest business, you can have the fancy cars, you can have the biggest house or whatever, the nicest shoes, clothes, whatever. But if you don't have your health, you can't enjoy those things and you can't do the things that you love. I mean, I remember just one of my goals, Nick, was to be able to go upstairs so I could pick out my own clothes. I hadn't been able to pick out my own clothes in four months. And I had to keep my leg elevated over my heart at all times. I could bring it down, like I said, for seconds at a time. So I managed one day. I remember one of the first things I did was I managed to, my goal, first goal was I, I got to use the bathroom on my own. So I timed it, how many seconds it would take me to get on my crutches around the corner long enough to sit on the toilet, put my leg up on a stool that we had in front so I could use the bathroom on my own. And then I timed it. How long would it take me to get to the stairs? And I would climb up the stairs and I would hold my hand with my, my leg with this hand and I would scoot up backwards and I would scoot backwards so I could pick out my own clothes. Well, that's no different from anybody who's starting out with their fitness journey, their beginning, or if they want to lose weight or they want to get stronger or any entrepreneur who's starting out in their business. We all start somewhere and sometimes it sucks how we have to start. Like It's like with nothing, but then I would encourage you listening that if you just think for a minute, like how far you've come, because I know I can be so hard on myself. And if like, I've got this big long to-do list and, oh, I didn't do this yet. And I didn't do that. And well, 
I'm stupid because I didn't know how to do this email signature setup on my email. Whatever it is you're talking to yourself and telling yourself, if you just stop and like you said in your episode earlier about beating yourself up, that give yourself some grace and and think about how far you have come. Because there's sometimes I'm hard on myself and I'm like, wow, you know what? Five years ago, I didn't even own a computer. I, I did everything old school. All my clients' stuff was all handwritten. I bought a computer, typed up my book that I had handwritten, like 80, 90% of my book handwrote and typed it up. I'm still learning how to do technology. I mean, it's amazing that we connect and that I have my own podcast too, but I mean, we all start somewhere. And so I think that I knew from having to condition myself in track, I knew from, you know, working my butt off to make company as a dancer. And I knew that starting as my, my business as a fitness trainer and building that out to where it grew. And it was a huge business. I was the main breadwinner in the family is no different from anything that you're doing. We all start somewhere. And that's another reason why I leave my really crappy posts up on Instagram that when I first started and I didn't know how to work Instagram and I'm like, okay, I know I need to do this Instagram stuff like to support my business, like to get the word out and create community. But how do you do it? I leave those crappy posts up because I want people to say, no, I I didn't know what to write. I didn't know what a hashtag was. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a really important point to bring up. And I really loved your example of when you would time yourself to go to the bathroom or you would time yourself to do these things. Because I think what you're kind of subconsciously doing is making sure that you're not comparing what you can do to what other people can do. You're kind of like creating a game for yourself based off of where you are. And I think that that is huge. Um, And one of the things that I've heard you say before is don't compare your beginning with somebody else's middle or something to that extent. And I thought that was really crucial. And, and same thing we, what you said there at the end, when people sometimes don't give themselves grace because they lose perspective. So many times when we're just in something, we don't, we don't see how much progress we've made, but if we're allowed to see ourselves from a third point of view or step out and really see how much progress we've made, then we can get a lot of gratification out of that. But we, it takes taking a, taking a step back to see that. But one of the things you mentioned earlier was falling in love kind of with the process and, and letting the process be success. And I know that throughout your journey, you tried a lot of different things and you just talked about how you're on 73 different drugs or what have you. Talk to me a little bit about how you can stay hopeful with the process when the process seems to not be working. Mm, Well, I think it's important to celebrate your small victories along the way, like no matter how small they seem, it's still, I think a lot of times we forget that baby steps forward are still steps forward mm-hmm. in the right direction. And also give yourself for having, you know, like kudos for having the courage to to try when so many people just give up and never try. And I think that it's important to find joy. Like you were talking about, kind of find joy for the 
the journey. And it's crucial to stop scrolling on social media. Like I think that's what happens a lot of times with people get in comparison. Back when I was healing, I wasn't on social media at all. I remember I had a client of mine who said, you know, maybe you should start a Facebook page. That way you wouldn't have to text everybody to tell them how you're doing. You could just post in one spot. And I was like, oh, no, I don't know about that Facebook stuff. I, I don't, I'm not big on that. I'm not going to do that. And um, eventually I did get, <laughs> did get Facebook. Right. But I think that it would have, I can honestly say, looking back, I think that if I were in the position I was in and I was stuck in that hospital bed and I was scrolling and seeing what everybody was doing, I would, I'm human. I'd get caught up in the comparison trap. I still do sometimes. I mean, I just like saw a friend of mine who did a speaking event and I'm like, I didn't know about that. I didn't get booked for that event. Wow. They're doing so much. Here I am. I'm not doing that. You know, it's easy. And so what really helped me to be able to continue make pro- to make progress and keep taking steps forward was I was an only in competition with myself. Like I only was focused on doing better than I did yesterday and making sure that I did set these small goals up so I could, I didn't have, if I would have focused on, I got to run a marathon again. Yeah by next week, I'd probably still be laying in the hospital bed. Instead, I set these small attainable goals and I kept my eye on the vision. I think that's important Mm. to really hold a vision to where it is that you want to be, what it is you want to do and and stop thinking about how you're going to do it, but think about why you're going to do it. Why it's so important. See, I had a vision of, I wanted to walk again because I wanted to be able to chase after my two-year-old daughter. I wanted to be able to train clients again. That was my joy. That's what I loved doing. I wanted to be able to walk on the beach with my husband again. And so I didn't know exactly how I was going to get there, but I knew why. I was going to get there and nothing was going to stop me. And so I think that a lot of people think, you know, that I'm always motivated because, you know, even my Instagram is Amberly Lago Motivation. And it's only that because my daughter had started another Instagram with my name and then forgot what password or email. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'll just use Amberly Lago Motivation. I'm not always motivated, but I am consistent. Yeah. And when you're consistent and you you show up anyway and you do it when you're tired or you do it when you don't feel like it or you do that thing when when you have people that don't believe in you or you do that thing no matter what that's when you start to see real transformation. That's when you start to see results. Yeah. No, I think what you said is so key that having a vision for what you want to do and then why you want to do it because the clarity of your vision is going to be directly proportional to the amount of endurance and resilience that you have, especially when you're tired. If you don't know where you want to go and you don't know why, then when you're tired and not motivated, no, you're not going to show up. But if you do know where you're going to go, why you want to go there, then when you are tired, you're going to be much more likely to show up for yourself and and stay consistent. A few things I want to try to get to before we wrap up. One of the stories that I loved so much, and it kind of goes back to accepting your new definition of success was basically when you got 
first got kind of comfortable with your leg and how it looked and everything because the way a doctor uh, looked at it. And so I wanted you just to kind of take a couple of minutes real quick and share that story with everybody else because it was really powerful for me to hear and I want everybody to hear it as well. We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share a quick testimonial from a past participant of the 10-week transformation program. I started running the 10WT in the beginning of 2020 and I've had over 150 people on counting go through it and they've seen amazing results both inside and out. If you're inspired to join after listening to the testimonial, then go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. We'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first, here's what they had to say. Hi, my name's Abby. I joined Nick's 10-week program to eat healthier and get stronger. This is the healthiest that I've ever eaten, and I could tell changes in my body within the first few weeks. My favorite part of the program is the accountability that the program and Nick offers. You should join Nick's 10-week program. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, you know, I was had such shame about the way that I looked. I mean, hated the way that I looked. I would look down at my body with disgust. And I was always known for my legs. I was, you know, in Shape Magazine and Health. I was doing modeling. I was in infomercials with, you know, with Body by Jake. My, you know, I had been fit my whole life. And now to look, I look like I had been through a war and I would just look with disgust. And I remember I had this big solution. It was after I'd had 34 surgeries and actually may, it maybe have been before 34. It was up there in the probably late twenties or 30 surgeries. And he had done all these surgeries and saved my leg and I could not get out of pain. Nothing was working for the pain. And so I had this brilliant idea of, well, let's just go ahead and amputate the leg. So I went into his office and I said, Hey, I appreciate all you've done, but you know, I need to get rid of this leg. It's causing me too much pain. It's holding me back. Let's cut it off. And he's like, well, we can't do that. That could actually cause the nerve disease to spread. And then he did something that really changed my life. He sat in front of me and usually doctors will put your leg like up on the table or something. He put my leg in his lap on his white coat. And my first thought was, wow, I can't believe he's putting his my leg on his nice white jacket. And he looked at my leg like it was his masterpiece. Like, wow, look at what I've saved. Look at what we did. And I remember thinking, I just had tears rolling down. I remember thinking, wow, if he can look at my leg like that, maybe I can learn to look at it that way too. Maybe I can learn to love it too and treat it like it's my masterpiece. And something shifted. It wasn't easy at first, but every day I just started, I was willing to try. And every day I started to treat myself like I loved myself and I would talk to myself like I loved myself. And I would look down at my leg as, wow, look at, you know, with gratitude of thank you for healing. Thank you for holding me up. Thanking you, you know, my leg for enabling me to walk, even though it gave me pain. I I thanked the pain for teaching me lessons that I needed to know and everything changed. And slowly, but surely I became proud of my leg. And it's like a symbol of, wow, look at all the, the human spirit can endure and how amazing the body is and how it can heal. And now I show my scars so others know that they can heal and they can, you know, 
walk with dignity and turn shame to grace. Yeah, I think that's such a powerful story and really relatable to a lot of people because, as you said, a lot of people have shame for either things they've done, things they've said, the way they look. And I think when we're close to somebody who has a certain level of shame, we kind of wish they just saw themselves the way that we saw them and they could love themselves the way that we love them. And I think that if some people are experiencing shame right now or don't love themselves enough, realize how other people see you. Like realize how much somebody else loves you and the qualities that they love about you and and let their love for you hopefully increase the the love that you have for yourself. I think that's such a a powerful message. And that's kind of one of my biggest takeaways from it, at least. But I want to get down to uh, the last, there's kind of like three quick topics. I want to talk about kind of true grit and grace and kind of the balance of working hard slash resting. I want to talk just really quickly about CRPS because I actually have um, a 12-year-old little cousin who's had it for a couple of years. And uh, she, and she's been, yeah, she's been battling it for a couple of years. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And then I'll get to like the last kind of wrap-up question. How, how did she get it? You know, I, I'm kind of blanking exact. I, I think she just got a leg injury. Yeah, maybe a leg injury. Nothing, obviously nothing quite as dramatic as yours. But it was, if I remember correctly, right at the beginning of COVID or right before COVID. And she's just been um, kind of going back and forth and, and sometimes is doing better than others. And she's been kind of in and out of a wheelchair, sometimes with crutches, in and out of a boot. She actually just came, uh, she just finished in Boise, Idaho with a holistic therapy thing. Anyway, she's been she's been battling through it. So for those of you guys who are unaware of what we're talking about, it's called complex regional pain syndrome. And I guess we'll start there. Talk us, because I want to kind of get to the true grit and grace stuff too. Talk us really quickly about kind of what it is and how hard it is to live with to give us all a little bit of perspective. Well, I first of all, my heart goes out to your, it's your cousin. cousin. Oh my goodness. Seriously, please have her reach out to me. I would love to just be there for her. I didn't know anyone who had CRPS when I had it. And of course I Googled it. And to Google it is I don't suggest because it's all worst case scenarios and it, they're horrific pictures and it's dubbed the suicide disease because it's ranked highest on the pain scale. Doctors say that there's apparently no known cure. I say yet. Um, I, you know, was in denial for the first doc. The first doctor that diagnosed me, I was like, screw that. I don't have it. Went to another doctor. He's like, oh, you definitely have it. And I'm like, oh, you must be wrong. So I went to the third doctor and the third doctor said, you do have it and you need to take radical aggressive treatment towards us so you can hopefully get it in remission. And I just burst into tears because I was like, okay, three doctors right away. They're like, I mean, because I hear of some people that say they go searching to doctor after doctor who they finally got them to say, hey, you've got CRPS. I'm like, I was going to doctor to doctor to tell me that I didn't have it. Your sympathetic nervous system, it's all out of whack. And that's why when I raised my leg up earlier, like even sitting here with you, I've got one shoe on and one shoe off. Well, you can't see that. Um, so it's, I don't realize that, that immediately when I sit down, I have searched high and low for shoes that I can even wear and I find shoes. And sometimes those shoes are even a little bit too, they start to 
flare you up is what it's called a flare up. And what that feels like can be different for others. Usually it's, you know, your skin turn, your leg, my leg will turn a different color. Um, It's weird. It makes the hair grow out on your leg faster. Mm. It's so bizarre. Like that it's in coarser. It's bizarre. You'll get goosebumps, anything to do with your sympathetic nervous system, like sweating goosebumps, uh, the body temperature. But the thing that is crazy is the pain that it gives you. And I, like I said, have tried all kinds of treatments and with, I mean, I had $2.9 million worth of medical expenses. I was doing ketamine infusions. I'd never done a drug in my life. And now all of a sudden I'm being induced with ketamine, spinal stimulator, where they implant these nerve leads into your back. And really what changed it for me is when I was like, okay, accepted that this is my new normal. This is what I have been. These are the cards I've been dealt. It's up to me to be angry or in denial or all the feelings, the grieving of my past life, all the feelings that you go through. But I decided no one was going to walk for me. No one was going to go after my dreams except for me. And so I had to do whatever I could to live the best that I can every day and reduce my pain, inflammation. And so I think what has helped me the most with that is mindset. First of all, I think it's so much about the things that you say to yourself, um, the things that you say out loud. I think our words hold power. And so, you know, even somebody will like my husband or my daughter will say, Oh, I'm sorry. Is that the bad leg? And I'm like, no, that's the leg that's getting better. Like everything I say is like, I am affirming that it's healing, it's getting better, that I'm getting stronger. And I visualize that and I do everything in my power to keep my strength up, to keep my health up. So I supplement, I do an anti-inflammatory diet. I've cut out alcohol. I've been sober. I got sober in 2016. Um, I move my body, not just for strength, but for my mood. I've done all kinds of therapy. I write, I have a morning ritual. So I start my day and people go, oh my God, that's so much work to have this morning ritual where you get up at 5 a.m. and you do all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's hard sometimes to go work out, especially I'm in pain, when I'm in pain, but I always feel better after I'm done. And people say, well, how do you work out when you have CRPS in your leg? And I'm like, there's always something you can do to move your body. I can go, I can go. I have, I have kneeled down on my knees before to do exercises. And I know I do it because of how it makes me feel. And we were talking about why earlier. And my big why is because I want to live a long time. I want to live to see grandbabies. I want to be around to inspire other people. I, I want to, you know, I have big dreams that I haven't even accomplished yet. And so I want to do everything I can to take care of my health. So it doesn't matter. You could sit back with excuses of, oh, well, I can't do that. I mean, listen, I've had a client tell me years ago, I don't train clients anymore, but I had a client tell me years ago, she goes, oh no, now I can't squat. I'm like, well, did you use the bathroom this morning? She goes, yep, I sure did. And I said, well, 
then you can squat. You sat on the toilet. So give me some squats. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. There's always something you can do. And so I think that part of being resilient is thinking of creative ways to do things. You can think outside the box. It's, I mean, I have people, they'll see me doing single-legged squats in the gym and I can only do them on one leg because my ankle is fused on one leg. So it doesn't quite have that range of motion to get down that low. Um, But I do one-legged squats and go, wow, that's awesome. I'm like, well, no, I had to be able to do one-legged squats because I had to get up off the floor and my leg was stuck straight for a long time. So there you go for pistol squats. It was just, that's awesome. I just had to do them. (laughs) I know it. I love it. Out of necessity. Uh, One, I want to make sure uh, I'm mindful of our time here, but before I ask the last question, I just want to acknowledge you, Amberly, for the resilience that you have had over, you know, after the accident and and ever since. And I really want to acknowledge the mindset that you've been able to continually adapt and shift anytime something has come up that is, you know, seemingly negative. You've done a really great job of turning it into a positive and, and, and being hopeful and continuing to show up because of that vision that you have for yourself and the why that you have for wanting to impact people and be there for grandbabies. And I think that's so inspiring for other people to to see like when the worst of the worst can happen. Oh, I can do something as simple as coming up with a vision and having a really strong why and, and that might help get me through. Like, yeah, those things are huge. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. And I know everybody's going to want to go learn more about you and support you as well. So y'all make sure you go follow her on Instagram, like she mentioned, at Amberly Lago Motivation. And I've mentioned a couple of times as well. Go check out, as if you're watching on YouTube, you can see in the background, the True Grit and Grace podcast. Uh, and you can go check out her book as well and her website at AmberlyLago.com. Uh, is there any other good way that people should go connect with you and, and learn more? Um, no, that's awesome. Or you know what? They can text me at 818-214-7378. And if you text me the word grit, you'll get your downloadable um playbook that shows you step by step my five step step process of how to tap into your own superpower of resilience. Um, because I like for people to get tangible tools that they can really apply to your life. And that's me texting you back. So say hello, say you heard me with Nick so we can, um, cause I like that. I like to know, um, if they have a takeaway or, you know, yeah. what I can prove. And it's funny. You said on YouTube, I'm like, oh yeah, I always forget we're on video. Cause I'm so <laughs> into just talking with you and I'm just all slumped over sticking my leg up <laughs> uh, awesome. One with, with my hot pink striped socks. So <laughs> that's great. That's great. Um, okay. Well, last question here, Amberly, is that I think that in order to get closer to the best version of ourselves, I think it's both a constant journey and a unique journey. I don't think we're every, we ever get to that best version of ourselves. And I also think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you could currently do or currently work on to get closer to that best version of Amberly Lago that you could possibly be, then what are those three things you could currently do or currently work on? That, that I could do, or I could, that you, oh, that, you that could I do could do. Oh gosh, there's a lot. You only want three. No. <laughs> um, I think that it would be one of the things is taking more, taking a day off. I think that uh, resting 
and recovery. So many people are in that hustle culture of grind and go and net, but I think it like it, it does take grit, but it does take giving ourselves grace and to be resilient. It's really strategically stopping and taking time to recover. And I've taken, I've taken sleeping and rest really like seriously, I've made it part of my business strategy. Now I even wear like a ring that like monitors how much I'm sleeping and how much deep sleep I'm getting. I think that spending more time with friends and family, I think it's important to you know, really think about like what really matters. I think that's why it's important to know what your values are and stick to things that really matter, like, and not get caught up or give so much energy to things that aren't going to really matter tomorrow, five days, five years from now. And then I would say reaching out and being of service to others more, especially those who are really struggling with chronic pain from CRPS or they're really struggling on their sobriety journey and they're just trying to stay sober because I know how both of those things are. Awesome. Well, those are three great things, Amberly. I know so many people got a lot out of that today and uh, we just scratched the surface on a lot of the amazing messages and, and motivation that you have to offer. So y'all make sure you go learn more and take in more of our content at Amberly Lago Motivation. Make sure you listen to the True Grit and Grace podcast. But Amberly, that's all we got today. I appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you so much, Nick. It was so much fun talking with you. You are such an incredible interviewer. So thank you so much. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. Wow. I mean, what an inspiring story and motivational messages today from Amberly. Y'all be sure to go follow her on Instagram at Amberly Lago Motivation. And you can text her personally at 818 214 73 Seven, eight, using the word grit. And make sure you tell her that you heard her on the Best You Podcast. Again, 818-214-7378 and tell her that you heard her on the Best You Podcast. And remember, remember the importance of a vision when it comes to being resilient. If you know who you want to become slash what you want to do and you know your why behind it, then all you need is a plan and you're going to be unstoppable. A vision, a why, and a plan. That's a pretty damn good recipe for success right there. And remember to embrace your imperfections. How can you actually do that? Realize that other people, they embrace your imperfection and even usually love you more because of them. If you can begin to love yourself the way that you're loved in other people's eyes, it was going to serve you in a multitude of ways. Y'all be sure to share this episode with a friend or family member. Make sure you send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. But for now, it is time, baby. It's time to go out there, be gritty while still allowing yourself a little bit of grace. And it's time to show up and show out so that you can continue to get closer and closer to your best. Best.